Thank you so much for joining us for this week's message from Real Life Community, where we talk about connecting with God and others, growing in Christ-likeness, and sharing God's life with the world. My name is Sarah Comer, and I serve each week as Connections Pastor, making sure that you know that there is a God and a community that loves you and wants to go through the seasons of life with you. You can find us at reallifecommunity.org, and we would love to meet you on Facebook or Instagram. Until then, we hope this message meets you right where you are and helps you know just how deep the Father's love is for you. Think about promises that God has given you. Think about those words from Scripture that have outlined what God intends to do in your life. Um, It is easy for us to get caught up in all of the, the... ruckus of life that sometimes we forget basic things like God says I will be faithful and in the midst of the chaos of life we as become so focused on the chaos that we forget that God has already promised that he's going to walk through us walk through that with us you know I, I think one of those things that we can do in our faith just to develop our our faith is to to spend time in the promises of God um, we have been journeying through the New Testament together as a church, and that is coming to a close. We're in the book of uh, the Revelation right now, uh, which means we'll be done in just uh, a few days. Uh, but I, I, I want to throw this out there. July, we're going to take a journey through uh, the Proverbs. Uh, these are, the Proverbs are part of the scripture that we call wisdom literature, and there's several books that are a part of that, but Proverbs is an amazing book because it's structured to be read daily, uh, and especially on a month where there's 31 days, because there's 31 chapters. So July happens to be one of those day, one of those months, and we're going to spend uh, one chapter a day, and uh, it's a short-term thing. So for those of you who just struggle with long-term commitment, uh, this is perfect for you. Uh, 31 days, wham, bam, we're going to get it done. Uh, but in the midst of that time, we're just going to be able to spend time on, on, on what it means to be wise uh, in God's eyes. So I'm looking forward to that. You'll be getting uh, your reading plan here in a little bit. But uh, let's finish strong uh, in the Revelation, and we'll get moving. Well, this morning, uh, we are going to be in chapter 4 of, uh, of James. And chapter four could go three different ways this morning, and I've picked one, so don't worry, you're not getting three messages, you're getting one this morning. But uh, as I wrestled with where to go, there's three, the, the three paths are this. We could have talked about drawing close to God, uh, we could talk about judging others, or how not to judge others, um, or we could have talked about self-confidence. So three things. And as uh, I thought and prayed about it, I, I honed in on the first one, drawing close to God. So this morning, I want to read for you the first 10 verses of chapter 4 of James, uh, because that's kind of where we're going to hang out this morning for a few minutes. So here are the words of God to us this morning. What is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. Now, I hope none of you are out there killing to get it. But you get the gist of what he's saying. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it. 
So you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. You don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. How many times have we said to ourselves, I got this. I don't need someone else. I don't need their help. I've got this on my own. I'm strong enough. I'm smart enough. I've got what it takes. I don't need anyone but myself. But sometimes that takes us down a dead-end road. And James is saying, hey, have you thought about asking God about it? And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. You adulterers, <laughs> don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again. If you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. Do you think the scriptures have no meaning? They say that God is passionate, that the spirit he has placed within us should be faithful to him. And he gives grace generously, as the scriptures say. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So, humble yourselves before God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come close to God, and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Let there be tears for what you have done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up in honor. This is the word of God for the people of God and the world. And we all say together, thank you, God. So Christy mentioned it just briefly. We, uh, we, we met right here around a big old table that we set up uh, with the board, the staff, um, just trying to dream and plan and think about the road ahead. Especially, come, we do this every year, but especially this year, as we are coming out of this season of COVID, um, we're just trying to figure out how do we move forward. We had some great conversation, passionate conversation about you know, where we're at and where we need to go. And I'm excited to be a part of what we call Real Life Community Church. I'm glad that you're here. I'm glad you get to be a part of this. But as we think, as we were talking about all these different plans and thoughts, it kept coming back to this as a church. All of that is for nothing if we haven't first drawn near to God. It really, the conversation matched perfectly with my message this morning. Because as we think about all the stuff we need to figure out in life, none of it matters if we do not first draw near to God. That's the essence of our faith. That's the essence of what God has called you to. Not a bunch of doing, but a bunch of being. Being in the presence of God. And how do we do that? Well, there are all sorts of ways. But, but first and foremost, it's about creating space in our life that is supposed to be for God. It's not about trying to make room for God amidst all the other stuff. It means setting up your life in such a way that it draw, you are being drawn near to God. I... I uh, talked with a, a young lady this week. She works at this place that Christy and I love to get drinks. Uh, there's shakes, there's teas, there's all sorts of fun stuff. And um, we were talking, and it just so happened we were talking about the business of our week. And she had a busy week as well. I was having a busy week. 
And she said to me as I turned to walk out, she said, well, I hope everything slows down for you. And I stopped and I paused and I thought, you know what? And I turned around and I said, you know, that's an interesting thing that you said. Because I don't think anything slows down for us. It's not that considerate of us. The things that we are involved in aren't thinking about us. We are the ones who have to slow down the things that we are a part of. We have to take control. And when we find ourselves so stretched thin that we have no time to draw near to God, we are in a dangerous place. Some have said, well, I, I just don't have time to pray. You don't have time not to pray. When you find that you don't have a schedule that allows time for the things of God, uh, that you are in a place that you have to make time for the things of God because it changes. So this morning, welcome, by the way. I just noticed you guys. Um, I'm glad you guys are here. Um, so this morning, as we think about uh, what James is talking to us about, drawing near to God, he hits o us over the head over and over again. The root cause of everything that goes wrong in our lives and in the world is when we drift from our intimacy and our closeness with God. Our closeness with God gives us a particular order to who and what we are. He gives us a stark contrast um, and, and some might say this is too bold of James. I mean, is it really that severe? But he says you're either a friend of the world or an enemy of God. Um, and, and, and man, doesn't that seem like it's just too diametrically opposed? I mean, can't there be like a middle ground where we benefit out of both sides of this? We get a little bit of what we want from the world. We get a little bit of what we want from God. Isn't, isn't this just too harsh? The issue we're dealing with is this. If God calls us to live a life of holiness, there is no middle ground. And to live dabbling in the things of the world, we call that compromise. And God says, stop the compromising. Be a friend of God not a friend of the world. Yeah, but pastor, that just doesn't seem like legit. It doesn't seem authentic. Is that really possible? Church, I think it has to be possible. It has to be possible for us to be able to say, you know what? My priority in life is God and God alone. As I was wrestling with this passage this week, there was a question that came to my mind. Okay, so if God is there and he is all-powerful, and he is the creator of the, the world, the universe, and, and everything in it. He's breathed life into our bodies. But we have this world over here that seems to be so attractive. Isn't God more powerful and attractive than that stuff? And I would say yes, I think God is. But what's interesting here is that God gives us a gift that sometimes comes back to bite us. It's a, a privilege that we are given. It's something that God honors us with, and sometimes we abuse the snot out of it. That's a theological term. It's this thing we call free will. God allows us 
to chase after the things we want. Knowing full well that sometimes those things are not going to be him. And I just can't even imagine, but I just, I, I just got to believe that there are, are times when God is grieved by our chasing after everything but us. If you're a parent, I think you may get a little bit of this wrestling. Because how many times as a parent have you wanted to make a decision for your child? Knowing that you know better. Teens, listen in on this one. But yet you recognize that you making the decision for them does not equip them to live the life that God has called them to live. And so there's this wrestling between, I know that I can make a better decision for them, but yet I want them to grow up. I think this is what God wrestles with. You know, God can say, you know, Christy, I'm going to make you love me. But then he realizes, but that's not love. That's coercion. And that's not what God is wanting to do. God wants to give us the ability to say yes, but when God does that, God also gives us the ability to say no. So many out there um, argue that uh, God is just ruthless. He he, he, he forces his way on us. He does all these negative things. And can I just say this? I think sometimes the problems that people have with God are actually problems with the people of God. Because we're giving a bad representation of this God that we say we love and we serve and that loves them. But you see, this free will is given, but there's something else that is given right along with it, and that is the spirit that God puts in us. This spirit that enables us, it equips us. God is passionate, Scripture says, God is passionate that the spirit he has placed within us should be faithful to him. So God says, you know, I'm going to let Christy make all all these choices. I'm going to give her the ability. I'm going to give her the freedom. I'm going to let her do that. But I'm also going to enable her to make wise decisions. I'm going to give her this spirit that is going to equip her and, and mold her and move her. And as she does that, I, I just, God says, I know that she's going to be drawn to me. The problem is, is when we reject that spirit. When we say, no, it's my way, not God's way. We see this all around us. And maybe, just maybe, you see this in your own life. Are we living a life by the spirit God has gifted us with? Or are we living a life by the spirit of chaos present all around us? You see, we can make the choice. And I'll say this, we get what we choose. All of it and more. So when we choose to be a friend of the world and we buy into the the chaos and the cacophony of the world, we're going to get that and so much more. But if we choose God, Not only do we get the the good things, we get the great things, the eternal things, the things that will far outlast us. We get what God has. And I don't know about you, but I'm pretty sure this stuff is going to fall away and it's going to die and it's going to be no more at some point. But I'm going to choose the God who says, and it has been forever. He always has been, always will be. The Spirit of God draws us towards this. And God never gives the Spirit in small measure. 
God never does anything in the, in the halfway. When God gives, God always gives generously. If anyone suggests that God is stingy, what they are seeing is probably more of the fact that the people of God are stingy. Folks, we, 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 we got to let God do a work in us. James talks about the right response to divided loyalties. In our world, we have gotten to this place where we see the arrogance of people that choose all the wrong ways and celebrate that as confidence. But James says this, we should have tears for what we have done. There should be sorrow and deep grief. There should be sadness instead of laughter, gloom instead of joy. If you have to try and justify your actions to make them sound less well, bad. We need to be a people who find ourselves on our knees before God. What we call this around the church, not just this church, but what we have called this throughout the history of those who follow Christ, we call it repentance. Repentance is a life we live, not a moment we reflect back on. Let me say that again because there's something really good in this. Repentance is a life we live, not a moment we look back on. A lot of us have moments where we can look back and say, that was the day that I gave my life to Christ. I turned in a new direction and I started following Jesus. For me, for me, that was in Logansport, Indiana. at an altar with my dad. On a Sunday night, the sun was coming through the stained glass windows. And I prayed and said, God, I, I repent of my sins. I want you in my life. But that was the beginning of the life of repentance, not the sum total of repentance. It's been a day of it's been a life of daily yielding, and I got, just have to be honest, there are days where I've not done it well. I have actually failed at it. But I tell you what, God is right there to say, get back on the horse and let's get going again. This is the graciousness of God, but all of it is wrapped up in the humility that we have before God. In the humility that we have before God, we, we champion what John says in chapter 3, verse 30. He must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. Drawing close to God requires that we become humble before God. Because arrogance is what keeps us away and says, I don't need God. And when we don't need God, we don't spend time with God. But humility draws us to God. James is talking to the Jewish believers who had been scattered all over the area. They are what we would call the church in our language. And, and what he is saying to this church scattered all over is that we are to be marked by a communal or, or a corporate life of humility before God. We are called to do this thing together. 
It's not just about Colin struggling on his own and figuring it out one night and praying and then repenting. No, it's about all of us coming together and living this life of devotion and intimacy with God. That's why, it's so, that's why we talk about small groups so much. That's why we talk about community so much. It's important for us to come together. And the way we come together is through humility as well. When we find ourselves saying, I don't need you, that is arrogance at its best. I remember a gentleman at a church that we were at who we were talking about small groups, and he says, I don't need a small group. Um, and I said, well, great. That means you must have something to offer us because you've got it all figured out. I got this weird look from him, um, and I think he didn't like the way, what I had said in that moment. But the reality is, is folks, we need each other. The best way uh, to, to uh, when, when a pack of lions is out in the wilderness trying to catch its prey, you know what they do? They isolate them. They isolate them from the herd and they take them down. Devotion to God requires humility. Humility is what draws us together. A, uh, humility is really this. It's a modest or a low view of one's importance. Now, that can be taken to an extreme and become detrimental. But you do realize that God loves you. God thinks the world of you. God wants the best for you. And so when we're talking about humility, we're not talking about God putting you under a thumb saying, you are a jerk, you are lousy, you are no good. I can't believe I've wasted my time on you. No, it doesn't take much humility for God to, as James says, lift us up. Some of us need to be lifted up out of the mire, out of the clay, out of the junk, out of the cesspool, out of the, you pick the word you want to use. But some of us have lived in darkness way too long and we keep flirting with it because we are just friends of the world. So this morning, I, I guess my question to you is this, are you a friend of the world or are you a friend of God? Which one are you? And let us be a people who figure out how to order our lives based on that decision. Around here, what we call this is living the holy life. A life that is surrendered to Christ. A life that is caught up in everything that is God. A life where we are becoming less and less so that God is, can become more and more. This is the good news of the gospel. We do not have to be stuck in the brokenness of our world. We get to be drawn into the world of God that transforms us. Where do you find yourself? Where do you find yourself today? Where are you on that, you know, dichotomy are you tired and are you ready to turn around and repent? Church, stand with me. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, this morning, as we think about the word that you have spoken to us today, God, I pray that your word would continue to just wrestle with us and speak truth into our lives. And God, I pray that we would do less fighting against it and more embracing it.
Lord Jesus, I pray that you would just, you would help us recognize with clarity this thing that we are a part of. And those things, those ways that we live life away from you, God, I pray that you just help us see, help us see where that's headed. Jesus, I pray that you would work in us today. God, I know that you, your spirit is drawing us together, and I know that you are working on our lives. I've heard the stories. And Jesus, I pray that you would just not let up on us. I know you're going to let us choose, but God, I pray that you would help us by overwhelming us with your love. Help us see the immensity of what it is you want to do in our life and help us be unable to say no. Church, just take a moment right now. Name that thing in your life that has you walking away from God. What is that thing that has you living outside of all that God wants for you? What is it that's causing you to live below and beneath what God has for you. Are you willing to repent of that today? Are you willing to turn away from that today? God, I pray for the spirit that you have placed in us that we would be overwhelmed and overpowered by the gracious love of God. Lord, in your name, amen. Church, for those of you who have prayed prayers of repentance in these last few moments, can I just say this? It's gonna wreck your life, but that's a good thing. Live into that. You might have find yourself being rewired that's a good thing. Live into that. Church, around here we leave y'all with blessings. Receive. May you be the people overwhelmed by the love of God. And may you be drawn deeply into intimacy with him. And may it cause your whole world to be turned upside down. Until we meet again, be blessed by God with his presence, and may you be a blessing in his name. Thank you for joining us today. We would love for you to join us in person. Our address is 2022 East Main Street in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. If you'd like to make a donation to keep our podcast ministry going, you can do so online at reallifecommunity.org slash give. Thanks again for listening.